The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast. I'm your host, Jason, with my good friend and co-host, Roger. And uh, we're going to pick up uh, where we left off last time as we've been thinking about this really all-important topic of sanctification and what that means and uh, what that looks like in our lives. And we'll be getting to delve into some really important topics uh, in this episode. We'll go back to the London Baptist Confession in Article 13 and look at the second and third points there too. But before we do that, uh, we did want to start off as we like to with a hopefully an interesting question to kind of get to know one another. And so Roger, here's my question for you. Would you rather study in a library or in a coffee shop and why? Ooh, um, I've done both at different times. I think I prefer the coffee shop right now, especially uh, uh, the social aspect, even though there's a lot going on, I can still mm -hmm. focus where sometimes when it's too quiet in a library, you feel like you can't make any noise. And you're going to distract somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but how yeah. about you? I, I, well, I mean, I was thinking, you, know, you said, yeah, now you like studying in coffee shops. I was thinking, what coffee shop is open <laughs> right now? Um, but yeah, you know, I, I actually kind of have reversed course. I used to love studying in the coffee shop. <clears throat> I still don't mind it. I like it um, depending on what I'm studying or working on. And there's some things, my big problem is um, terrible to even admit, but we're talking about remaining sin eventually. So uh, this is part of my remaining sin. Uh, I, I can't help but listen to conversations going on around me. It's just You're one of those, aren't you? <laughs> I, I, and, and if it's an interesting enough conversation, you know, I, I just can't concentrate. So I, I would have to say that now uh, I, I kind of prefer being in a, in a library in the quiet so I can uh, mm. really focus. But that's, again, just part of my sin. Because, um, yeah, I eavesdrop. I like hearing what others are talking about. And it's pretty bad. Well, uh, on that important note uh, of <laughs> of sin, uh, we we get to <laughs> Article thirteen point, you know, section two uh, of the the London Baptist Confession, where we're we're still looking at. They're still addressing sanctification, and um, you know, kind of last time we went over some of the basics of what where sanctification comes from in terms of God's work in our lives and how he defeats the dominion of sin in our lives. Uh, we're not no longer under the reign of sin. And it goes on to talk about kind of this weakening of the, the evil desires and strengthening or enlivening uh, of righteousness and holiness. Then, he, then they get to this point. <clears throat> this sanctification extends throughout the whole person, though it is never completed in this life. Some corruption remains in every part. From this arises a continual and irreconcilable war with the desires of the flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Let's, let's break this down piece by piece, Roger. It says this first sentence says the saint, this sanctification extends throughout the whole person though it is never completed 
in this life. And, and the second sentence goes with it. So I'll read that to some corruption remains in every mm. part. What, what are these authors getting at here? I think what they're getting at is that when they're talking about the whole person that they're talking about us holistically, it's not just looking primarily at uh, an outward behavior, but going deeper behind that. So going into the heart and looking at the motives, looking at our thoughts, looking at what drives us. So the sanctification is throughout uh, how God created us, not just trying to look good on the outside, but actually transforming what's on the inside, which really drives what's on the outside. And so it's talking about how this is addressing everything. It's going to address how what we think. It's going to address what we want. It's going to address how we feel even. Um, it's going to address our emotions. It's getting at that. At the same time, it's never completed in this life, reminding yeah. us that this is lifelong until we're finally with him. Yeah, I think there's... A a couple of important parts there, like you're describing when it's talking about the whole person, I think this is kind of the, the inverse, if you will, I don't know if that's the right term, but the inverse of radical depravity, right? Mm. Where we believe that, that we're depraved, uh, you know, at birth, born in sin in, in all of our faculties, it, not, not that we're as bad as we possibly could be. No, God yeah. is gracious that we're not. Um, yet at the same time, every part of our being is fallen and experiences the fall in some uh, sense and at some level. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so that means it's not just our desires, but our thinking. It's not just our thinking, but our feelings. It's, it's all of the package. All of our faculties are fallen. And so the work of sanctification needs to work in all of those areas. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what the Lord is doing. It's never complete in this life, um, but it's, it's like you said, it's whole, it's, 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 he's, he's sanctifying and working on every different aspect uh, of our fallenness, um, which I think is, is, is good to know. And I'm grateful <laughs> that he's working on all these aspects in, in our, in our lives, in our hearts. And what about, uh, like you mentioned, you know, this, the second line, some corruption remains in every part, this idea that that we're not complete. The sanctification process is not complete this side of eternity. Uh, what do you make of that? What's the, what's important for the believer to take home when they're reading that? What, what's, why do you think the confession authors make sure to bring that out? Why is that so important? Yeah, I think they're reminding us that none of us are going to be perfect on this side of heaven. Uh, in, in our sanctification, in our walk with the Lord, that there's corruption in every part that none of us can say we're without fault. None of us can say that we are, uh, our thoughts are just entirely pure. You know, you just take the simplest. None of us have loved God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul completely and perfectly that day. Mm -hmm. Nor have we loved our neighbor as ourselves. We love ourselves too much, you know. Um, and so just reminding us that there's remaining corruption, or I like to use the phrase remaining sin, mm -hmm. that is, is, is a battle that we are going to have to face. It's the reality of all of our lives. It's going to look differently. It's mm -hmm. going to express itself differently. Um, but it's a, 
it's a truth along with the truth that we are set apart in Christ. We can be called saints, holy, righteous in him. We at the same time have remaining corruption that we will have to address in our lives. And it's a hopeful statement because you realize, okay, sin is part of my life. It's going to be not, not justifying it, but it's going to be there. So when I sin, it's not, I'm hopeless and, and down. It's, I need to flee to the Lord. I need to go back to him. I need him. I, our sin should drive us to Christ. That remaining corruption should drive us to him, not to look to self, but our corruption drives us to self. Yeah. It's, it's, I need him. And I have him. Mm-hmm. That's the, yeah. the, the the message. You know, the Lord wants us to know. Um, you know, not to not to make light of sin in any way, but there are times that uh, us falling into sin again is the best thing that could have ever happened to us, as it reminds us again that we're dependent fully and completely on him and his grace alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so often, uh, you know, we have this really sinful and wrongheaded thought that we can do it alone, that we don't, you know, that we can, you know, live righteously and we are living righteously. And, and somehow we, we start to get this wrong sense that we almost deserve whatever God has given to us in terms of the relationship yeah. that we have. And so once again, when we fall into sin, it reminds us, no, you need this savior and you need him every moment of every day and you need him eternally. And guess what? You have him. Yeah. You have him. Yeah. yeah. You, th- you think of, you know, you, we have new hearts, but that doesn't mean that we are now independent of Christ, that we right. can now live on our own and we can, we can do it. We can walk this walk. No, we need him. And he's going to remind us and allow us at times, confession will talk later, even at times we can have our own way and yep. live in our own way. And, and uh, our remaining sin, it can be used for our good for our growth, for our understanding of the gospel. Um, I I know in one of my classes, this this thought uh, was expressed that as we go throughout our lives and we see our remaining corruption, we see our remaining sin in our life, at the same time, we're understanding God's grace even more, Mm -hmm. that Christ even pays for that all of that. And as I start to see my heart more, I start to see the love of Christ even more. It doesn't lead to more, you know, I want to live however I want. It should lead to more of my savior has died for this. I didn't even know that about myself. And now I see my heart even more. I'm more aware of what's going on. I'm not sinning more. I'm more aware of how corrupt I am. And, you know, absolutely. And, and doesn't, doesn't, remaining sin help our hearts to cry out for eternity right mm-hmm. do, do, you know we, we talk about the fact that uh sin and suffering and evil around us remind us that we want to be weaned off of this earth and keep our hearts and minds focused on eternity and and on this heavenly city that we're looking forward to but honestly remaining sin does the very same thing we want to be free of this we want to be, and, and we know that this side of eternity, we won't be free. 
uh, it keeps us turning back to Christ again and again, depend on him. And he's going to see us through. He's going to get us um, where he wants us to be. I mean, let's look at the, this next part of the, the confession. It says, from this arises a continual and irreconcilable war with the desires of the flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Now, uh, you know, I, I want you to dig into this part for us, but the first thing that just jumps out at me is that you have the spirit and the flesh that are both present. That's what Paul seems to be indicating in, in Galatians uh, 5. I think it's, uh, where was that? In verse 17, where he says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And he's speaking to believers there. Right. Yeah. And, and, and as I think, you know, as I've thought about this passage and how important it is, if you think about what he's saying of this war going on of the flesh and the spirit, it's a guarantee that a believer is going to have a war going on in their heart. Absolutely. Yep. You know, and it's not saying if, if if you happen to war. No, you are going to have a war. You have remaining uh, desires uh, uh, toward evil that are fleshly, and those are going to war against the spirit God has put inside of you. And that war is going to continue to battle against one another, and you'll see how it comes out in, in the way it's expressed as uh, uh, what comes from the spirit and what comes from ourselves. And, and you know, it's interesting, you know, who, you know, who doesn't fight a war, the, the person who surrenders, mm. right? The person yeah. who's constantly surrendering. And, and that's the person who doesn't have the spirit has no defense against the flesh. Right. Yeah. And so there's no war necessarily in the unbeliever. Cause he just gives in uh, to his flesh, his desire. He's, he's trapped, et cetera. The believer is the one who's at war. So in other words, the difference between a believer and unbeliever is the, the unbeliever does not have a spirit waging war against the flesh. Mm -hmm. um, the, the believer does. And so, uh, you know, in a sense, we, we, we kind of talk to people when we're counseling them who are struggling with remaining sin, you know, we kind of point out that the battle is a good sign. The, the battle that the fact that you're fighting is a good sign. It means that the spirit in you is fighting against the flesh. The problem would be when we see the surrender, the give up. I'm just going to live this way. I don't care. I'm going to live the way that the flesh desires. And then there's that's where the the the, the battle, or that's where the the lack of battle is, is indicative of something. Yeah, I, I do you ever see, or I think about the flip side of of one who battles with remaining sin and then they say they fall into something they've you know an old sinful pattern in their life and they think i can't believe i did this and there's a self-righteous attitude as if you feel in yourself that this is something you couldn't have done that you don't take your sin serious enough to say that that's who you were at that moment that you should be somewhere else that you should be better it, i guess what i'm trying to say is there's this focus on self and yeah. the focus gets off of christ yeah. when we're not focused on him we're more concerned about how we're living and and less concerned about him 
he, he's not at the center in what we're pursuing. We're just pursuing our behavior. So in other words, we can feel good when we feel like we're, we're pleasing the Lord, living for the Lord. And then we have a day when we didn't, and then we feel terrible as yeah. if God now loves us less because we weren't obeying him. Um, yeah. Which means he loves us more because we are obeying him. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's, that's a problem. Right. <laughs> that's yeah, absolutely. True. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's so good uh, to think about because, you know, um, everything we have, everything we have is because we're in union with Christ. There, there is, there's nothing good that we have. There's no sanctification. There's no justification. Of course, there's no adoption. There's no sanctification. There's not going to be any glorification except in union with Christ. And so even the growth process is tied to Christ. And I think when we separate that is when we run into problems, when we depend on ourselves somehow, when we're, or we're like, I think you talk a lot about Roger, you talk a lot about performing when we're performing, when there's this performance aspect, it, we take our eyes, like you said, off of the work that Christ has done and is doing and our need for him and our dependence on him. Mm. And we place it on ourselves. And it's kind of like Peter trying to walk on water and taking his eyes off Christ and just drowning. Right. Yeah. Um, that, that's our, that's all that will happen to us if we take our eyes off of Christ. And think about after Peter, you know, denied Christ three times and then Christ came to him afterwards and he just looked at Peter with love and compassion and mercy and just asked him, where's your heart? Do you love me? I'm going to restore you. And it was scandalous. Feed, restoring feed him, look at him. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. put you into ministry again. <laughs> After all he did. Absolutely. Because that's yeah. the love and mercy and the depth of depravity that we can have. And I think of this, there's moments or snapshots that reveal the condition of our heart at a moment in time, but that isn't who we truly are. It, it, it's a, it, it could be, that that season that moment that reveals that depravity that still remains and doesn't need to leave us hopeless but can lead to greater growth one in loving christ more and then two in him showing you what was really behind all of your sins so now you can address those issues that are going on in the heart and he changes. He meets it. He he can he can deal with any mess of our sin that we we have. We can't deal with our each other's sin sometimes, but Christ can deal with any mess we make. Yeah, yeah. And it's so interesting if you look at the ones in Scripture in in Christ's own earthly ministry who he highlights as kind of the the, the best representatives of his kingdom work, mm -hmm. and it's those who needed him. Or, or understood they needed him the most, you know, it's not the Pharisee, it's the tax collector, right? Um, it's, it's not the, the, the Pharisee who invited him into his home for a banquet. It's the sinful woman who poured her tears onto his feet mm -hmm. and, and dried them with her hair, right? It's the, she, he, about her, you know, he's like, Hey, look, her, her many sins were forgiven, right? She loved much because her, she had a lot of sin that was forgiven yeah. Um, he was forgiven little, loves little. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the, it's not that they were, they only had little sin. It's they only thought they had little sin, right? <laughs> and sometimes uh, 
you know, like when the Lord is restoring Peter, I mean, Peter became such a great vessel for the honor of the Lord because he was such a broken vessel filled by the grace that, that God gives that allowed him to live out that grace. Um, so remaining sin, though a battle for us, uh, cannot be viewed. If the Lord allows us to, re to remain in this already, not yet, he's using it. As, as something good, as something part of the process. Uh, it's not good itself, but it's used for that which is good. Let, let's push on to the third section of Article 13. The authors continue. They say, in this war, the remaining corruption may greatly prevail for a time. Yet through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, the regenerate part overcomes. So the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. They pursue a heavenly life in gospel obedience to all the commands that Christ as head and king has given them in his word. Let's break this down. In this war, the remaining corruption may greatly prevail for a time. That could be depressing, Roger. <laughs> what what is he saying? What are they saying here? It, it, it's it's a statement that that I like because it it gives such grace to one who finds themselves pursuing their own desires during a season of time that could make them think. I must not be saved because a saved person can't do this. A saved person doesn't sin. A saved person doesn't sin continuously. Yeah, I, I lied yesterday and I lied again. I got angry at my kids and yelled and I yelled again and, and I did again. Oh, I'm not, Lord doesn't love me. I'm not saved. It's the reality that there may be a times where the Lord allows us to go through a time where it seems like it's overcoming us. It seems like it has a stronghold. I like the word diehard sins, or uh, there's a book written with that title, or I think mm -hmm. it's in scripture. It's the besetting sins from Hebrews, Hebrews where it's yeah. a sin that just seems to have that, that, that hold on you at times where you're like, it's just getting the best of me. I'm just giving into it. And the Lord in his providence allows us at times for purposes we may not understand to go through that. What I think could be helpful is that allows us to have grace for other people. Instead mm -hmm. of condemning them, we come alongside our brothers and sisters who are caught, as Galatians 6 says, and gently restore and walk with them. But it, it's a I think it's a reality that sin is strong. <clears throat> Excuse me, we can't make light of sin. We can't just say, you know, sin are those little things we do. No, there could be a time where it gravely looks like you're just not walking with the Lord. So, so walk, walk me through this, Roger. How, how would you answer the person who listens to that statement from that you just made and that the confession makes? And, you know, this remaining corruption may greatly prevail for a time. And that, that's not, you know, that, that's pretty bold language. It may greatly mm -hmm. prevail uh, for a time in this war, right? Yep. What do you say to the person who says, uh, you're just condoning sin. You're the one making light of sin by saying, look, it's okay. 
that you can be a Christian living in sin? I would say or uh, um, refute that to say at the same time, it says yet. Hmm. Yet through the continuous apply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, a regenerate part overcomes. Hmm. That we're talking about a battle and a war, not a surrender and give up and it doesn't matter. And I'm and, and completely walking the way from the Lord. Talking about even even in a sense of a continual daily repentance. Mm. Someone can be going and struggling with remaining corruption and they're repenting daily. Yeah. Continuously repenting and continuously resting in Christ every single day. And there may be seasons where it looks like we're just far off. That's not giving license to say, oh, that's okay. Go, go, go live like that. It's the fact that there could be times I think, think of Peter. Would you not say that his sin was great and it prevailed for that season of time where he denied the Lord? Yeah. You know, and 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 I guess I'd also say that I I want to be careful to not put the assurance of our faith based upon our uh, obedience and righteousness or our sin. And, and not not be so focused on that, but really get at the heart of are you fighting? Are you, are you battling? Because the battle, you know, think of a war. Is a war always you're just beating up the enemy and winning? Right. Be time where you're retreating and you're going backwards and it looks like you're going to lose the war and it's going to get the best and it's all over. And then all of a sudden there's a shining light. There, there's hope because the spirit inside of us, if we're believers, he will not let us go ever. Even if we're running away like the prodigal son, he's, mm-hmm. you know, returning, the spirit will get a hold of us and wake us up at some point. There's always a spark yeah. because the spirit lives inside of us. I don't know if that answers clearly my thoughts I, on I, it, but I, I think it, it's, it's helpful and it's helpful to keep thinking through this together, for instance, you, you brought up that continual repentance idea. Um, someone, someone can repent and then repeat the sin and then mm-hmm. repent again. And one of the ways that we know that's true is because of the way the Lord tells Peter to forgive the brother who repents, even if he repents again and again and again and again, as long as he repents, you, you forgive him. Uh, the Lord's not calling on Peter to do something he himself does not do. He does forgive us when we repent. And, and which means, look, there, there's something about our, our humanity that uh, does struggle even in, as a new creation in Christ, we still have, like we said, this remaining battle. Um, so I think the, the, the key is the difference between a non-believer and a, and a, and a believer is that, that idea of your response to your sin, right? Mm. There's a, a response to our sin that is aware that we're uh, going against God in rebellion and it in our hearts kind of break over that, even though we might repeat that very same action again uh, and then hopefully respond again with that uh, repentance, that sorrow that hopefully leads to repentance. Um, yeah. There's, there's, uh, yeah. Another thought I had on that is also taken into the context of the person. So if a person has come to faith and they've wrestled with a particular pattern of life, 
for many years. Sometimes the Lord changes it and that person never returns. Mm-hmm. But patterns that we've had before the Lord don't necessarily change overnight. And there, there's a slow process. Change is slow and change is hard. Yeah. And so I think it gives it, it gives a room for a person to truly wrestle and battle in their own context of, of how, you know, of, of their life and to, to have grace for that as the Lord does. Um, If you think, if you think about it, um, you know, each, each person, each individual believer uh, is unique and our father treats us uniquely in some respects. Right. And so, uh, you know, if someone's sin is self-righteousness or pride, uh, it makes sense that the Lord would allow that person to fall flat on his or her face again and again to remind them that th- they need that humility of, of trusting Christ only and not themselves. Uh, so if someone keeps falling flat on their face, do I say that, oh, they must not be a believer? Or could the heavenly father be doing a work in them that's distinct from the work he's done in someone else? Yep. Um, so I think, I think we've got to, it's not my job to determine by the way, what the Lord's doing in someone else. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be gracious, like you said uh, to each other. Um, let's push on the, the yep. rest of this definition. And then, uh, and then we're going to have to do a 16 or 17 more episodes on this topic. What do you think? <laughs> Sounds oh, good. Sorry. <laughs> But, but it, this, this next part kind of captures some of what we're saying. It says, so the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There's this idea that there is a process of growth, right? They're growing in grace. Uh, I wish he hadn't, they hadn't used the word perfecting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think they mean that as a process, perfecting yeah. holiness in the fear of God. And then this last part, and I want to see what you make of this. They pursue a heavenly life in gospel obedience to all the commands that Christ as head and king has given them in his word. What's this gospel obedience? Yeah, it's an, it's, it's an interesting phrase they're using. I'm not sure in, the, uh, in, in their context what they were trying to get out of, of gospel obedience. I, I guess I would interpret it of, of, of the gospel being the motive uh, for obedience to the commands that, you know, as we talked about last time, the indicatives and imperatives that it's flowing out of the gospel to why we're obeying, not yeah. obeying just for pure obedience. Um, I kind of like the phrase grace-driven obedience um, of being the, you know, the, the grace is what changes us. Second Corinthians five, I believe it is where it's the love of Christ controls us um, because he, he died for us and, and and that's bringing, and we know that God calls us to obey. There are uh, commands in scripture. He's calling us to live a life that uh, reflects him and as you know, and keeping the gospel at the front and not at the back. Yeah, exactly. I, I think they definitely are getting at what you just talked about, this kind of grace-driven obedience. It, it's, it's a gospel obedience. It, it's dependent wholly and completely on the work Christ has done in us. Um, 
and and motivated by that, like you said too. And I think that's important to remember. We're the indicative imperative, and I think you and I off the air talked about this. The indicative means this is who you are in Christ. So now you can obey, but it also indicates to us where that change in us has come from. It's all God's grace that makes us who we are. And so Paul talks about kind of this this response to grace that he's living out of, uh, that it's as though every time he thinks of it, he's amazed by God's grace. And so he wants now to serve the God who has loved him. Um, And I I think the, 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 the authors of the confession mean that. And I think that in our daily living, that's got to be the motivation um, for our obedience. And, you know, there's so much to to tackle in this. I think we'll probably in in the coming uh, weeks, we'll probably tackle some more of these issues. I know you and I wanted to address kind of things like what's the goal of sanctification? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are, what are the methods that we see in scripture and elsewhere that this discussion of how sanctification takes place, what are the right motivations for sanctification? And then even things like the pitfalls, uh, down the road, we want to talk about what are some of the, the hangups and, and pitfalls. And so um, with with that in mind, as we're wrapping up, uh, Roger, uh, what's something that stood out to you as we talked through this uh, in this episode? Anything you'd like to take home, think about some more? Yeah, I think I'm always thinking about the remaining sin, the remaining corruption that we have and how it affects us, how we have been recreated we are new creations, um, but at the same time, we have this remaining corruption and how that affects our lives and how we should even think through it uh, for ourselves personally and for our brothers and sisters that we're walking alongside, um, uh, thinking through it from the scriptures and and and, and truly uh, embracing it as something to lead to, to Christ and not lead to, uh, it doesn't matter. We can live however we want. That's not where we want to lead. We want to lead to Christ, but recognize that there is this war and this battle and it's elusive. It's hard to put into, you know, as words as we're trying to, to speak Mm -hmm. about it, but, but even more so our experience of that is very different from believer to believer. Yeah. And I think, yeah, as, as, we're thinking about this. Uh, one of the thoughts that I want to explore more is how um, our experience isn't determinative. Mm-hmm. There is a reality that is so far beyond our experience per se. So we get so trapped by what we're feeling or thinking in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the Lord wants to put our eyes back on what happened on the cross that's our victory. So yeah, we, we may not have victory in every battle and we may falter in this war at times, but victory is already ours because it's, it's victory is already in Christ. He's already done it. He's accomplished it. And how do we live out of that victory, his victory, um, you know, both in our minds and in our yeah. uh, hearts and in our lives. So these are things that there, there's a lot to it. And, um, you know, so I hope that our listeners enjoyed this uh, time of kind of wrestling with this stuff. And, and uh, we look forward to talking uh, some more about this. If you did enjoy it, or maybe if you had some questions or thoughts you wanted to share with us, you can uh, make sure you email us. I believe it's at feedback at rodandstaff.org. Uh, you can uh, check us out on roddenstaff.org, uh, the website as well. 
Uh, we'd love it if you would like us and uh, share us with friends as well. Till next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.